Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Joined by my glorious co-host Roz. Don't have Ruban this week for the Masters recap, so we're just going to have to do that ourselves. Um, Patrick Reed taking home the title. Finished at 15-under and was really on fire the entire weekend. Not much was slowing him down. Um, Ricky Fowler came in with a ferocious back nine on Sunday, but it just wasn't enough, Roz. It wasn't enough, and my heart... My heart sunk a little bit watching that last putt go in by Reed. I mean, Reed had the three putt on 18 in order for Ricky to be even in contention. But it's he's close. Ricky is really close. And we all know on this show, I'm a Ricky supporter. We've seen it on our Instagram. I'm, I'm the Ricky guy for this show. And it's very, very close. He feels confident coming in or coming off of this master performance. And I think this is the year. I think there's three majors left. I think any of them can be his. I'm feeling good for Ricky, and I just want to point out that this could have been Ricky's to hold and win. If you go back to his Friday, where he was struggling putting putts in the hole, there was a lot of opportunities there, and it just he kept pushing it right, or putting it a little short. And maybe if he gets one or two of those, he's either tied or up one at that point. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's uh, it was tough to see because Ricky put together a masterful performance here at the Masters, and really it was just that Friday scorecard that could have been. Two shots better. I mean, he just hung a couple putts, and it was tough. But how about Spieth on the comeback? I mean, that's that's Masters for you right there, where Spieth puts himself in the lead at one point on Masters Sunday. That's absolutely ridiculous. And we got some of the best golfers in the world going around right now. And I know there's been many eras of golf and everything. I know Tiger Woods is this all-be-mighty golfer, but we've got some good golfers Might in the be the world. best of all time, Spieth but really don't, showed up. don't worry about it. Who? Tiger. I think Tiger Tiger could be the best of all time. I mean, there's the Jack Nicholas argument you can have, but that's that's like Michael versus LeBron. But I'm talking about right now this new era of golf, similar to baseball, young talent, everyone's competing at the top. It's been fun. I mean, I even like seeing Patrick Reed have some fun. I mean, obviously I didn't win any money, but it was good to see all the top players being in it towards the end: Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth. I mean, it was great. I, I think this is a fun era of golf, and you might not agree, but. That's how I'm feeling right now. No, I I agree. I think this is a really fun era. And you look at Ricky's performance. He now has eight top fives in majors, including three runner-up finishes. I mean, over the weekend was nearly perfect. Um, 
like I said, we, we do talk about Ricky a lot on the show, but he went 65-67 on Saturday and Sunday, lost by one, and, and really put the pressure on, I thought, um, by birdieing on 18. I mean, I know Patrick Reed, you know, just had to play a normal hole, but, I mean, Ricky put the pressure on a little bit, and you got to give him credit there, but, I mean, Patrick Reed, it looked like, you know, after the first few holes on Sunday, like he was going to f- fold like an absolute tent, but... I give him a lot of credit for kind of sticking with it. And, you know, especially with Rory um, off to that start, you know, it it just seemed like the day wasn't going to be Patrick Reed's day. But, you know, he comes in, wins his first major ever. And I I think you put him in that that Ricky Spieth group, the John Roms of the tour, just one of those young guys who is, I think, here to stay. And, um, like, you, you got to see his talent. And this happens to be the 12th time since 2000. A player without a major, to his credit, has held his first career 54-hole lead in a major in the Masters. Only two of the previous 11 went on to win. That'd be Big Phil in 2004 and Trevor Immelman in 2008. So, I mean, got to give credit to Patrick Reed here. Gets a slip on the green jacket behind a Sergio who was partying on Saturday and Sunday because he didn't make the cut. But Yeah, I really uh, wonder what he was doing, you know, like, if you had to imagine what Sergio was doing Saturday or Sunday, what what was something you think he'd be doing? Uh, I think he probably had, probably had a couple couple things he could have been doing. Um, but a couple cocktails, a couple, right? couple cocktails, uh, maybe ten. But yeah, you know, he he won <laughs> his Masters last year. He won his major. I think his uh, legacy is no more, no longer tarnished by the fact that he did not go on to win a major. So I don't think he was too salty. Um, but yeah, Patrick Reed did it. Uh, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson kind of backpedaled a little bit. Um, you know, after starting the I'm week. glad you bring the, that. That was my next lining of questioning. So tell me what you think. Tell me. I know you're going into it right now, but yes, Tiger didn't play well. That's That should be the honest opinion. He didn't play that well, but the fact that, first of all, that he was playing, <laughs> second of all, that he made the cut, and third of all, that he finished pretty strong um, on Sunday, I think it just adds to the excitement of the sport. Um, like you mentioned, with all the young talent out there, the fact that Tiger is back, I think, definitely makes things more fun. And like you say, it didn't play that well for a Tiger that we've all come to know as maybe the best golfer ever. But, I mean, I just don't know if he's that guy anymore. But it, it just makes you think that the fact that he was able to play injury-free, um, haven't heard anything else about it, that he might be able to win another major because just the fact that he's out there, I mean, I think you got to give him a shot every time. I mean, mentally, I think he's probably the best golfer ever. And that that's one of the reasons that made him so successful. I mean, he's just an absolute savage. Um, and now that his body might not be as in tune as it used to be, you know, I think he's still got a shot out there because, you know, it takes a hell of a lot of a mental game to win, you know, in any sport, but especially in a golf major. I mean, it's not for everybody. And that's why you see a lot of guys um, with the shakes, when it counts the most. No, I, okay, so I agree. I think it's cool <clears throat> that Tiger's back, that Phil was playing so well up until the Masters and everything. But Want a brow for, him boost? To be favorite, for him to be the favorite coming into this, for him to get all this hype, be a first-tier guy in our pool and everything, I think it's a little much. It's coming from a guy who's played a couple PGA uh, appearances and looked good in that. Like A major's a whole different like animal, and that's what Jim Nance and the guys were saying all weekend long and i know tiger's obviously the pro at that situation but he's older now he's been away from it since he hasn't won since 2008 it's been a while so i think that was the tiger we're going to see in majors i don't know maybe he gets better in a couple of years or something i know that seems doesn't seem right when i'm talking about a guy his age but 
he's not going to be a major competitor. I don't think so. And I said uh, that year in and year know. out when we have this conversation. I mean, he now needs a break from golf because of this performance. He's taking a break, although he did today, break, breaking news, he did today enter into the U.S. Open, so he will be playing the U.S. Open. But he's taking a little break. I mean, come on. don't. What are you, a sugar sally? Like, come on. You don't need to take your break, get lost, suck it up, move on, try to get better so you don't show up like this at the U.S. Open again. You know, that's my opinion on Tiger right uh, now. I, I disagree, dude. Let the guy take a break. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not 25 anymore. Is Phil taking a break? Don't tell me Phil's taking a break. Well, he's, he's Phil. He's not Tiger. Phil's not Tiger. Let's just put, let's put that sure. out there. Yeah, Phil also didn't sling his nut around on 20 different girls and then after he kicked out of the PGA uh, for a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of going around that. You know, it's a sports show. I'm not going to comment on the guy's personal life. I mean, it's it's his business. Um, yeah. But, you know, anyways, Tiger and Phil, you know, after starting the week with a lot of promise and a lot of hope, you know, they combined to shoot three over on the week. Um, but, you know, father time, undefeated. Everyone knows we're not going to see too many more epic performances from either of them. Um, but... You know, that one time could happen this year, could happen next year. Um, I think they'll still be in contention. Um, but interesting stat, this is the 21st time Tiger and Phil have played in the same Masters and will be the first time that they both finish outside the top 10. Um, so maybe they should stop playing practice rounds together at Augusta National. Just a, just a quick thought. I know they got a round in um, the day before the tournament started, but... That is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. We'll be back after the break. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and we are back. Just finished our Masters recap. Patrick Weed. <laughs> Patrick Reed. Weed. <laughs> Weed. Uh, <laughs> Taking home the title, <laughs> um, takes home the title, and we look forward to the rest of golf season. Weather's starting to get a little nicer out here in Chicago. We had a 70-degree day today, which is looking to be followed by about 35 on Sunday, but um, just take it day by day out here and don't compare ourselves to L.A. But, Roz, I know that you're, yeah. all, I know that you're all hot and bothered about the NBA postseason. We got first round coming up. Um, Honestly, haven't really caught much of it lately because I've just been so into the into the MLB. But I know you got a couple things. Um, we're gonna break down the playoff action, a couple of series. Seventy Sixers are hot. Um, what do you think right now about the NBA playoffs? I do get hot and bothered about the NBA playoffs. Want to definitely We've got a lot of. Uh, you got a lot of what? You didn't like the L'Oreal Paris <laughs> interjection. I, 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 L'Oreal, I mean, unless it's Drew Barrymore. I, don't I mean, really care C- CBS just, just loves throwing in these ads when you click on articles. So, and, sorry, I'm sorry. And if you listen sorry. to the show, we're not making money from these, from these ads. No. So that's the unfortunate part. But just, let me tell you why I'm hot and bothered. I get hot and bothered all the time. It's interesting this year. I like the idea of the spectacle, the myth that the Rockets are going to be able to beat the Warriors. It's not going to be. That's, that I'm going to get into a second, but let's start in the East because the East actually entertains me. I know LeBron is still my option to come out of the East and still absolutely will, but we've got matchups that, like the Raptors are the number one seed, but they're taking on Washington at eight. And we know Washington struggles, but if John Wall gets on going, and if we know Bradley Beal can put up his $120 million worth of shooting, that's a team that could upset the one. I, I We've seen Washington in the postseason before, how strong they come out and play. I kind of like Washington in a sneaky little upset here, but that's because the Raptors are also one of those teams well-known for not going through. 
winning. Right, the rounds are supposed that. to be winning. Damn L'Oreal just trying to get all their interjections in here. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Wits. I mean, I, you don't listen, you haven't watched a whole lot of the Raptors, but I, I like this Washington team over them. Celtics, we know how injured they are with no Kyrie, Whining, Irving. And I like the Bucks. obviously, here again. I'm looking at an 8-7. Both of those teams coming out of there beating the ones in the East here. I think Milwaukee is a good team. They're a strong team. They've got Giannis Antetokounmpo, who to me is the next coming of the best player in the league. I, again, the Celtics seems too hurt. Alf Horford, father time. We just talked about him last segment. It's it's a Bucks life for me. I mean, I don't know what you think about those two top teams in the East, but it uh, it definitely gets tricky for them. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I'm not a big fan of either of the top two teams in the East. Um, you know, I think the East is, is just overall kind of weak. And I think, unfortunately, with the Celtics' injuries, seems like it, it could be LeBron's conference to win again. I mean, you look at the Raptors, 59-23, and 23, pretty damn good season. I mean, Lowry and DeRozan, I think, are one of the best um, one of the best guard combos in the league. Um, but they're going to have to replicate their regular season outputs if the Raptors um, are going to do anything in the playoffs. I mean, among active NBA players, only Rajon Rondo and Jamal Crawford have attempted more field goals in the postseason and converted them at a lower true shooting percentage than DeMar DeRozan. Um, and, and Kyle Lowry hasn't performed much better. Um, but, I mean, if those guys play like that in the playoffs, they might be looking at getting upset um, by the A seed. And, that, and that's just that's just a straight-up fact. Because I think the Wizards, are although, the, although they're an eight seed, like, I don't know, NBA eight seeds, they're not like it's not like a 16 seed seed anymore because of umbc it's almost like we wanted to compare that (laughs) i I did kind of want to compare that but um frustrating season for the wizards but i mean they're in the dance that's really all that matters and you know the late march return of john wall i think it makes him a dangerous team i mean say what you want about the guy about how he's a horrible teammate according to most of his team um he's one of the best point cards in the league and you know otto porter jr this year um, really impressive stuff. I mean, then you look at Bradley Beal and Gortat. I think they match up decently well um, with the Raptors. So I'm not going to say they're going to they're gonna beat him, but I don't really care, first of all. I want to see LeBron play, <laughs> see if anybody can beat him, which I don't know if it's going to happen this year. On, before you move on to LeBron, let me just clarify this John Wall thing. He could be as bad of a teammate as he wants to be in Washington because they've yet to put pieces around him to really – move this team forward. They paid Bradley Beal an ungodly amount of money to shoot three-pointers when they could have paid half price for J.J. Redick to do that and bring in another max superstar. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I'm completely on the John Wall bandwagon. But I agree with you. It's about LeBron. and They got the four, so they kind of get the Cinderella story. They're going to beat the hell out of the Pacers real quickly and hopefully then get to face the Raptor, the Wizards or Raptors. And we saw a great series of Wizards-Cavs last year. So, I mean, I know I love seeing LeBron, and I'm sure – even though you're not the biggest LeBron fan in the world, he's probably the most entertaining guy to you in this Eastern Conference postseason. Yeah, I mean, LeBron in the postseason, like him or not, is, I mean, is fun to watch. I mean, he he basically, he, he is the guy who single-handedly puts the team on his back. I mean, he is Greg Jennings from that, um, I think, 10-year-old Madden video where he breaks his leg. That is LeBron. Um, that's just what he does. Um, but touch touch on the 76ers a little bit. Because I feel like they they might be the team that has the best chance to take out Cleveland and LeBron in the Eastern Conference. And that's out of nowhere. So let let it be known, I'm not a big, I'm on Stephen A. Smith's side. I was a big 
Uh, I'm not a big Max Kellerman being on the show now, and I'm forgetting Skip Bayless was my guy. I kind of like when he argued in certain directions. I wasn't always on his side. But Stephen A. Smith was the first person to bring a light to me, the 76ers team. And they're legit. Are they going to get past this Cavs team? No. But Ben Simmons is the next LeBron James. If you look into it right now, Ben Simmons is on the same exact trajectory that LeBron James is, if not higher in terms of assists and rebounds. Ben Simmons absolutely controls the game for his team. He is considered a rookie. I know this whole rookie debate going on with uh, Donovan Mitchell, all this banter of like what it means to be a rookie in the dictionary. It doesn't matter. Let's just talk about the game. Ben Simmons is running the court right now. They looked really good towards the end of the season. I know it is the end of the season, so some players are resting everything. But without Embiid, the way they're playing, I mean, Markel Fultz had his first triple-double the last game of the year. So Markel Fultz is now a factor. J.J. Redick is a great role player. The 76ers team is my pick to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs, which is perfect because they're on opposite ends of the bracket until that point. And they're dominant. They're good, and they're young. They're dominant, and they're going to play that game trying to convince LeBron, saying, hey, this is why Philadelphia is the place for you to come this summer. I mean, to me, the race is between L.A. and Cleveland, but Ben Simmons, part of that clutch sports group that he's considered the prince of the NBA right now, designated by LeBron James, it would be interesting to see if LeBron James ended up going to the 76ers, but they are definitely the biggest competitors to this Cleveland Cavalier team. Yeah, and they've also won their last 16 regular season games heading into the playoffs. Longest winning streak going into the postseason in NBA history. Um, so I, I think they're. I think that's going to be fun. I'm hoping that they get to play Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, any other thoughts on the East right now? I mean, I don't have much to say about Boston-Milwaukee. Um, I think with, when Kyrie went down, I mean, my analysis is that they're not going to get there now. I thought they might. No, and it's, they're not. It, the analysis is easy, like you're putting it. The East is how it's going to unfold. I mean, Victor Oladipo put up an amazing year. It was fun to watch him play. For the he, he was great. But Kudos to Victor Oladipo because he's going to win comeback player of the yeah. year, I think, no doubt. And he should. And it's a it's a testament to him. The guy who traded around, he was supposed to be the piece in Orlando. They traded him to the Thunder. The Thunder didn't need him. And now he's running his own team in Indian for the Pacers, and I mean, at a certain point, he's going to be so dominant, he's going to go be an essential second piece to a team, and I think that's going to be true at some point. I think he's athletic as hell, and I think if he gets his jumper down even more, he's going to be a very quintessential piece to a team, but it's not this year, and it's not this Indiana team is young as well. They just don't have the pieces to match up against the LeBron playoff team, and we say, I, I'm totally fine saying LeBron, okay, because I don't, I don't think I've said the Cleveland Cavaliers until now. I just say LeBron's team. Because that is what it is at this point. I mean, you look at who he's playing with. Kevin Love has come back and looked pretty good. Rodney Hood's been hurt. They're playing with a guy named Osman, Chad Osman, or Chaddy Osman. I don't even know. This is another year where LeBron is tasked to do everything. He played a full 82-game slate. So that's impressive in itself. But you got to wonder what this guy would have been if he could have played with the likes of Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Steve. Like, with all those t- that talent all those years like Michael did. Because... It's pretty ridiculous, the teams that he's had to put on his back and carry to an NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, this is if you're going to argue that he's the best player ever now, I'm just going to shoot you down. I wasn't right. even making an argument right you, now. You were trying to. I'm not, you were a little bit. I'm just put. I'm going to whisper that in the ear because I had this argument the other day and I was thinking, I'm from Chicago, so I don't have a bias. But, like, I think LeBron could be considered that. We'll see it because he's going to go to the NBA Finals again this year. But... That's pretty much the East analysis. It's LeBron's thing, and he's going to have an awesome matchup against the 76ers that I hope to see. And I hope Embiid plays. 
because I know he's been hurt, and I hope he's there come conference finals. And I hope we have more time after this segment because that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge. You miss a show, you're nowhere to find us. LibertyTalk.fm. See ya. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. Bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics and the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbyshow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. And we are back at the Sporting Edge. Roz, we're breaking down the other side of the bracket, Western Conference Finals. Um, well, Western Conference, put it that way. A lot of interesting matchups yeah, we here. we skipped Aria uh, the finals. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't skip to the finals. I think it's going to be Houston, Golden State, but I could be wrong. I have been wrong before. A um, couple guys, you know, that aren't, I guess, huge household names um, that I'm really excited to see in these playoffs. First one, Donovan Mitchell, um, guy who's, Probably not going to win Rookie of the Year, but definitely had an unbelievable year. Led the Utah Jazz in scoring. They're going to face off against the Oklahoma City Thunder with Paul George, Big Russ, and Carmelo. Um, how do you see that series playing out? Well, I want to actually touch on the Donovan Mitchell thing now that you brought it up. So that's going to be an awesome series in itself. I think OKC comes out with it. This is another playoff experience-led thing. I know Rudy Gobert of the Jazz is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. But let me touch on the Mitchell thing real quick. It is interesting that this Jazz team performed as well as they did. And they were higher than a fifth seed coming into the last night of the NBA regular season, which was Wednesday night. What's interesting to me about him is he came into a team that had just gotten rid of Gordon Hayward, didn't really know what their next step was going to be, and he stepped right in and they, he made this team a for-sure playoff team. And it's very impressive I'm really looking forward to his maturation, his growth in this league. And he really does have a good case for Rookie of the Year. I know Ben Simmons has the numbers. I know Ben Simmons also led his team to the postseason. But Ben Simmons had a better roster around himself and has been in a rebuild mode for longer. Also had a whole year of NBA training under his belt. That's an argument for a different day. It's going to be a great series. I don't believe in the Carmelo effect. I don't think Carmelo can impact his team as much as people think he's going to. I love Steven Adams down low. I think that is a good compliment to face against Rudy Gobert. And then you've got Russ and PG-13. And Russ is furious right now with all the haters going after him about his stat-taking <laughs> ability and how that the only reason why he has the triple-double is because he's a stat-eater. And you know what? He does what he needs to do, and he's been doing it because KD left him. He's been doing it even when KD was there. Russ Westbrook, to me, is the best point guard in the NBA. He's the most tenacious, the guy who's there to win every single game he can. None of their record doesn't reflect that being 48-34. I mean, they are still the fourth seed in the Western Conference. But Russ gets the Ws, and that's the important part. And you can't spell Westbrook without a W. So I think they're going to pull this series off. I think it's really exciting because that would put them up against Houston. Everyone was hoping that in the day before the regular season ended, it was 
track to be that it was going to be Thunder versus Golden State, which is what everybody always wants to see. But I'm good for a James Harden-Russell Westbrook matchup in the second round, which I think will be the ultimate story here. Yeah, I'm actually on the other side right here. Um, I think defense is going to be huge in this series, and I think the fact that Oklahoma City lost Andre Robertson, or Roberson, however you want to say it, um, went, went out with knee surgery, and I think the Thunder have not really been the same team since um, and then you look at the other side, the Jazz um, getting Rudy Gobert back since he got injured a little bit in the middle of the year. They've had the best defensive rating in the league, and I think that's going to be very key in this series. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is going to have to play really well. And like you said, um, really stepped in for a team that I don't think was re- not much was really expected of him. But you look at his rookie season, his line, 20.5, 3.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists per game. Um, I was going to get that postseason test, and I think he's going to pass the test. I think he's a, I think he's a dude. I think he's going to do it. Um, but yeah, that's I'm, interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's my call right now, um, Houston. But I mean, but all, why I like, why I like you making that call is it, it talks about the Western Conference a little bit because the Western Conference is the best postseason. Oh for yeah, sure. the teams in it are so much better. The teams in it really come to compete. I love the Western Conference, and I know that it's been a Golden State Warriors conference for a while, but this conference really does have the superstars. Everyone left the East to avoid LeBron. So the talent in this conference is amazing, and I really appreciate what they bring to the playoff table. Yeah, I think for me, like each series in the West just is so much more exciting than the ones in the East. I mean, um, Houston, Minnesota, I mean, I think Houston is the best team in the NBA. I've been saying that all year. Um, but I mean, Minnesota is a very fun team to watch with guys like Wiggins, Towns, Jeff T. I mean, I think Houston's going to win and it might not be a very good series, but I think it'll be fun to watch. And like I said, OKC and Utah, I think those are two pretty evenly matched teams. Should be some really good basketball. Um, then you look at Portland and New Orleans, big Damian Lillard fan. Um, they had a spectacular year. Mr. Clutch. Mr. Clutch. Um, he's really been doing it Mr. all year. And I really wish I could get to see, you know, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins get to team up in this playoffs. But obviously, you all know what happened to Boogie. Um, Had he just made that free throw, he never would have had to go for that rebound. But regardless, I think that's a fun matchup. And then, you know, Golden State, San Antonio, I mean, the Spurs are not, you know, what they used to be. I think it's still going to be fun, though. I mean, I think they're still going to go out there and compete. And you never know what can happen. It is Greg Popovich. Yeah me we'll touch on the top two seeds here in a second but that portland pelicans game also to me i think anthony davis has kind of put his money where his mouth is they've really performed well with boogie being down i know they were also 50 48 to 34 but he's he was under the impression that if boogie was still around they would have won the nba finals this year i wouldn't go that far but anthony davis is one of those players that will take your team further than you expected especially in a world where the warriors exist and lebron exists I think this is going to be a tremendous series. I think the Pelicans do pull it out, but I'm sure we're going to get some Damian Lillard game winners in the middle of that. But I love that guard combo. We were talking about guard combos earlier, the McCollum and Lillard combo. That just is what makes it fun. I mean, they're going to go up against Drew Holiday, Tariq Evans, and everybody. But it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. I'm on the Pelicans bandwagon for right now in terms of this first-round series. But then we got to look towards the ones and the twos. And you, you were saying something about Minnesota, about – the excitement that is around their players. They're kind of like a 76ers team to me. They just play in a harder conference. I mean, if you put Minnesota in the East where they maybe belong, if you think about Minnesota in terms of all the other teams that are in the East, 
uh, they, that's a scary team. And when it came down to crunch time, Jimmy Butler coming back from his injury looking fantastic. They had to play a playoff game Wednesday night against the Denver Nuggets, both with the same record. Winner moves on and goes to the playoffs. Jimmy Butler put up 31 points for the Timberwolves, won that game. This is a Timberwolves team that is so exciting. It is just such a tough conference. It is such a tough place, and they're just getting beat down on periodically because of who they go up against. And I think this is a team, again, to watch for the future. And I'm hoping Jimmy Butler gets his love and wins some titles here at some point. But it'll be a fun series. I hope they punch the Rockets in the mouth a little bit. But I think the Rockets do take this in at least five or six. So yeah, that's what I'm going with there. I think they take it in five. Um, Timberwolves defense, you know, even being led by Tom Thibodeau, is not very good. I mean, 23rd in the league um, and facing one of the biggest offensive juggernauts in the league with probably the league MVP. They also have the worst fourth quarter production of any team. Yeah, so, I mean, I just don't think – I mean, this Minnesota team is pretty good, but I just don't think they're anywhere near um, this Houston team. But, you know, James Harden craps the bed a little bit in the playoffs again. I mean, could be a little bit of a competitive series. I just – I don't see it happening that way. And I'm going to stick with my prediction that I think the Houston Rockets are going to be in the NBA Finals, and I think they're going to take home the title this year. Well, then let me talk about my Golden State Warriors at two against the seven and San Antonio Spurs. One, still don't know what's going on with Kawhi. You have a player so good as Kawhi Leonard, and there's a problem like this going on. What the coach says is experience of Greg Popovich. There has to be something really messed up going on within that program. I have no idea if he's going to play. Most likely he's not. So you're going to have to assume that Golden State is without Steph, and you're going to have to assume that the Spurs are without Kawhi. You know what that means? That still means the Warriors are significantly better because you're the number one fan of picking apart Aldridge in the playoffs. I'm going to be the number one guy saying KD in the postseason has been absolutely dominant since joining the Golden State Warriors. That's They're going to walk through the Spurs. I think this is a sweep. This is maybe the end of Popovich. This is definitely the end of Kawhi Leonard as a spur, and Alderidge will go down as a player who meant little to any team unless he would have been put on a team with a LeBron or Steph Curry. So we're going to move on from that. But Golden State will get Steph Curry back in the second round, and it's over. Once he gets Curry back, it's just done. I don't care all the people talking about the Houston Rockets and what they have to offer. I've got, I'll take Curry over Chris Paul. I'll take KD over James Harden. I'll take Draymond Green and Clay Thompson both over Clint Capella. Tell me what else you've got in Houston in a seven-game series because there's nothing that I find relevant enough to beat this Golden State Warriors team that will end up in the finals winning another championship again. And, in fact, if you really do feel confident that it won't be the Warriors, I challenge you to come find me. Bet me. I will take everybody's money right now. Golden State Warriors win the NBA Finals this year. Plain, Pat, it's over. <laughs> wow. So I, I guess that's it. I guess they just won the NBA Finals then. It's sad because you know, everybody else knows how much I want LeBron to win a title. But I just first off, that Cavs team just couldn't beat. This Cavs team, when they make the Finals, will be worse than the Cavs team they had last year. So <laughs> it's just, it's tough for me you know it's just hard because i want lebron to win these titles i want to i mean this are in by the way so people don't forget this i do want Dwayne wade to make it to the nba finals and win that is just such an atrocious idea in my mind and trust me i don't usually back down just look at my packer predictions year after year i just can't like i wish i could pick Dwayne wade to win the nba final it's just not gonna happen but my next best is lebron hoping he can do it it just won't happen and yeah. you could try to tell me otherwise but i'll take your money <laughs> no um I'm not gonna bet you on that one. I, I just I would like to see Houston win this year, um, but I think Harden's got to show up. 
That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm and amfm247.com. We'll be breaking down the NBA playoffs for the next month, and we got some MLB to talk about next segment. So we will catch you after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and I was about to say we are back, but it's just wits. Fourth segment of the day. Um, Roz had to take a little trip out of town somewhere, so it's just me, and I'm obviously done talking about basketball because there's only one sport that I really care about right now, and that's Major League Baseball. A lot of exciting things going on in the game. Um, First, have to touch on Shohei Otani has taken the league by absolute storm. This is a guy who, one of the biggest touted free agents, I think, in the history of baseball, um, and had an atrocious spring. This guy could not hit, he couldn't pitch, he couldn't do anything right, and has silenced all the haters across the globe with what he's been able to do through his first two weeks as a Los Angeles Angel. I mean, you look at the guy, he's hit three dingers already, um, pitched two unbelievable games, and, you know, it was taking a no-hitter, I think, into the sixth inning of his second start. And it seems like he's going to become their Sunday pitcher, which would just make Sundays that much better. It just be another thing to look forward to. I mean, I love baseball in general, but Shohei Otani, an absolute joy to watch. Guy even goes out there and gets picked off. I mean, he, he's just always in the news. Super fun to watch. You got a lot of Red Sox Yankee drama going on right now. Um, if you didn't see the other night, Tyler Austin slid into second base. Maybe his spikes were up. Maybe he went a little off off the beaten path and uh, hit the back of Brock Holt's leg slash ankle. Um, we had Joe Kelly go full wild thing and nail Tyler Austin. We had a, a huge brawl going on and not even to mention the brawl that happened with Colorado and San Diego in which Nolan Arenado just said, you're, you're just not going to throw at me. You are not going to do it because I'm going to charge them out. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Tried to do it against Pedromo, but he snuck away. Um, but yeah, it was, an, it was an exciting week in Major League Baseball. And I think I'm going to go down and, and break down some of the power rankings right now. Top of the league, Houston Astros. I mean, they were number one going in. And I don't know if anybody can stop the defending champs. I mean, they started their season in style. George Springer became the first player in Major League Baseball history to hit a leadoff home run on opening day in consecutive seasons. And then you look at Correa, Altuve, and Josh Reddick. Um, They've taken things from there at the plate. So, I mean, Houston right now, with the addition of Garrett Cole, um, I I think they're pretty unstoppable. I mean, we'll see. This is a 162-game season. We're only 10 or 11 games in. But right now, they look like the team to beat in the major leagues number two coming in two and three red sox yankees baseball is just simply just better when the red sox and yankees are not only good but they're really good they're really competitive and i know the yankees are are 500 right now but you got gene carlos stanton he's either hitting two bombs or he's going 0 for 5 0 for 7 with 5 k's it's exciting gary sanchez finally broke out of his, you know, 058 batting average slump with two dingers and a double against Boston on Wednesday night. Um, you know, the Yankees have led the AL East in scoring with Didi Gregorius swinging the hottest bat of all, producing an AL best 
1.430 OPS. It's not often you get to, you know, have a one in front of an OPS and, you know, I'm not going to say it's 100 because that really doesn't happen unless you never get on base. But 1.43, pretty impressive by Didi. He's building on a great 2017 and I think a really great bat to have in that lineup, especially as a lefty. When you look at Sanchez, Judge, and Stanton, I mean, I know he's a shortstop, but the guy does have a lot of power and he's been doing it now for a long time. And I think he's here to stay. You know, I think a lot of people were wondering what, what it was going to be like replacing Jeter in New York, and I think Didi's done a great job there. Um, you look at number four, we got the Washington Nationals, um, and five, we got the Cubs. Everybody's around 500, I guess. Um, but nothing to worry about here. I think the Nationals and the Cubs, the pitching is going to be the real key here. Um, you know, the Nats, top two with Strasburg and Serger, doesn't get much better than that. Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark, I think, are, are a little more a little more question mark. I know that, you know, they both had pretty good years last year, but I think they're going to be key pieces down the stretch. Um, and what looks like is going to be a competitive NL East. When you look at the Mets, you know, if they're able to stay healthy, we all know what they can do. The Braves have been playing some pretty good baseball. Um, and then you look at the Phillies. I think the Phillies are, you know, a dark horse kind of team. I think they got a lot of talent. I know that they're young. And I know that the first week of Major League Baseball did not treat Gabe Kapler kindly. But that being said, you know, guys like Aaron Nola, Vince Velasquez, um, you know, I think they can make a little run. And you look at Aldubo Herrera. You look at Carlos Santana, new acquisition, Scott Kingery, Reese Rice, Reese Hoskins. Um, they do have some players. Also looking at rounding out the top 10, we've got the Diamondbacks, Angels, Dodgers, Mets, and Indians. I don't know why the Dodgers are ranked so high here. Um, they've really been brutal to start the year. Not giving any love to Clayton Kershaw, which really pisses me off because I got him on both my fantasy teams. He's given up four runs and three starts and has not gotten a win yet um but yeah i want to talk a little bit more about the mets because you know michael conforto returned a lot earlier than anticipated um a date that was rumored to be once you know mid-may or even early june it turned into april 5th and you know what did the guy do um you know he hit a homer in his third at bat at bat against steven strasburg i think you know conforto is going to be a major piece for them this year um and you look at them getting Jay Bruce back. I think that's a really under the radar acquisition because um, you got you got Cespedes out there who's a big bopper. But Jay Bruce, all the guy does is hit twenty five to thirty home runs every year. I think he's going to be a big piece there. And then you look at um, Rosario, young shortstop, who I think is going to be a, a major playmaker for them this year. And then the Indians, interesting here. I mean, I think a lot of people had them pegged as you know, if not the best, probably the second best team in baseball. I mean, you look what they did last year. Um, you know, a lot of the Indians hitters right now, they've been ice cold, but getting Michael Brantley back from the DL, I think is a big deal. Um, the guy, when he, when he was healthy, it seems like four or five years ago, um, he gives a big boost to this offense. And then, you know, look at Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that at the end of a game. Um, Miller, I think one of the best high leverage pitchers in the game of baseball. Um, so I think the Indians, you know, regular season, kind of throw it out the window. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I know I've been talking up the AL Central for the entire offseason, and I know Rube has been giving me a lot of crap about that. I'm still going to stick to it. I think this division is still going to be pretty competitive, but I do think the Indians are going to make the playoffs. So I'll just I'll put that out there right now. But you look at my Detroit Tigers are hovering around four 500. 
Kansas City Royals. Um, you know, I know they're missing Hosmer, Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain, and Salvador Perez, but I think they're going to hang around. I think Ian Kennedy has been a decent surprise so far this year. He's been pitching well. He's a guy who has kind of just been an innings eater for his whole career, but he's been throwing the ball around pretty well. Um, and if a guy like Danny Duffy can stay healthy, throw some good innings for the Royals, I think they're going to be a team to watch out for. Um, and you look around the rest of the league, Tampa Bay, terrible. No offense. Good young pitching, Faria, Blake Snell, and Chris Archer, but offense is terrible. White Sox are exciting. Um, you know, the Matt, Matt Davidson show on opening day with three homers, Juan Moncada, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, um, Nicky Delmonico. Young and exciting over in Chicago. I think they're going to be fun to watch this year. Talked a little bit about the Phillies, the Orioles. I think the Orioles are just simply outmatched in their division right now, and it's a shame because I think they do have some they have some pieces. You know, Gaussman and Bundy, if were they to put together a pretty solid year, I think this Orioles team could be pretty decent, but it's really tough when you're in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox and even the Blue Jays, who I'm not you know, I'm not super high on them, but I think they're they're a tough team to play um in that division. And, and that's basically my that's my summary of Major League Baseball right now. I mean, I think it's exciting. We're about two weeks in. We're about to get in the full swing. Um, guys' averages start coming out a little more true, a little more, a lot, excuse me, a lot more at bats. Because um, I hate early in the season when they put up the numbers of you know what the guy hit last year, or he's like three for eight this year. But kind of start getting some numbers, um, and that's basically where we're at right now. A little, little, few too many injuries. Um, there's been a lot of injuries that I'm not happy about. Um, you know, Christian Yelich, Anthony Rizzo, guys going down with some nicks and bruises. I hope they're back. Um, but yeah, it's been exciting. We had a couple of big brawls, like I mentioned, and baseball's in full swing and it's back. It's here to stay. And so is the Sporting Edge until next week. That's Sporting Edge, everybody. That's a wrap. Kind of weird doing the segment by myself, but hope you all enjoyed. And if you missed it, you can find it on libertytalk.fm and amf247.com. See you next week, everybody. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.